0: Welcome to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast Episode 23. I'm your host, Chris McKee. Thanks for joining me. As usual, we start off with the new AP Top 25 rankings released yesterday. The Gonzaga Bulldogs remain the number one team in the country. They hammered San Francisco this week by 39 points, 100 to 61, courtesy of 28 points from Drew Timmy and 10 rebounds. And the Zags also had five players in double figures. And then going back to Monday, they beat BYU 82-71, courtesy of 24 points from Jalen Suggs, who was absolutely outstanding in that game, took it up to a next level. like just turned up the gears. And then also in that game, Drew Timmy with 20 points and 13 rebounds. So a couple things from this past week with Gonzaga. I believe Drew Timmy has now moved into the lead for the College Basketball Player of the Year. I mean, every single night, he's going 20-plus, 10 rebounds. You know, Sugg's kind of taking a little bit of a backseat, but that's okay because he's making the passes and the plays that are for the betterment of the team. And right now, I honestly believe, I mean, Corey Kispert, not that he's playing poorly, but as far as number-wise, he's kind of taken a step back. And Drew Timmy has become the guy, and he's the leading scorer of the number-one team in the country. And the number one offense in the country. Nobody scores more points than Gonzaga. And uh, that's all based around Drew Timmy right now. So for my money, Drew Timmy, the College Basketball Player of the Year at the moment... Now, one of the other things, going back to that BYU game late now, 82-71, it sounds a lot closer than it was. At one point, this was like a 30-point lead, and then the Zags sat everyone and you know, put the second and third team guys in, and BYU went on a little bit of a run late, but this was never a game. And one of the things that really I found insulting, so BYU head coach Mark Pope starts playing the timeout game with about 30 seconds left down 11 it's like you were down 30 they let you kind of back into this stop with that nonsense like sometimes you just gotta admit that's a better team they beat us they're better than us so playing this whole like ticky tacky timeout trash with 30 seconds left stop dude like I know you're trying to save face and and I know what he's trying to do but it was just bush league and, and unnecessary so Thumbs down to BYU head coach Mark Pope for that nonsense. But another thing that I've come to the conclusion, you know, watching just about every single Gonzaga game this year, is that it's time for them to leave the West Coast Conference. They're just not getting any competition there. They have outgrown what they are. There are things that happen in life when you achieve success. And a lot of times, you got to leave some friends behind. You outgrow them as People. And I think the Gonzaga Bulldogs have outgrown the West Coast Conference. You know, it happens in business. They started out as a mom-and-pop shop, this little small school. But under Mark Few, over the past 20 years since he took over in 1999, I believe he's got 16 West Coast Conference tournament titles. I think he's got 19 regular season conference titles. You know, they're now recruiting McDonald's All-Americans there, Jalen Suggs. And Zach Collins, a couple years ago, starting back to 2016. The Gonzaga Bulldogs have become one of the blue bloods of college basketball, and they're playing in the West Coast Conference. Now, I like the West Coast Conference. There is some talent there. You know, BYU, obviously, and St. Mary's on occasion can give you a run. Santa Clara, Pepperdine, Pacific. They're all excellent programs, but they're not blue bloods. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, iron sharpens iron, and the Gonzaga. Bulldogs are just not getting sharpened right now. It's really, I'm you know, a couple weeks ago, I believe there's no one's going to beat them. They're going to win the national championship. When I see how lackluster they have been in a few games, you go back to the Pacific game where they were Pacific was leading at halftime by a point, 32-31, and they just didn't look sharp. They look lethargic is because they know they're going to go out and win by 30 or 40 points a night. They're playing cupcakes, and I think it's time for them to leave. Now, the obvious choice Based on geography, you know, Gonzaga is in Spokane, Washington. So the Pac-12 would be the initial choice for them. And if Gonzaga this year was in the Pac-12, they're probably 20-0 and right now. I think they're 18-2. and You know, USC would have got them at some point. Maybe Oregon, you know, Arizona, whoever. Colorado's a damn good team. So there's all these teams that are just... A lot better competition for them. And there's no way the Zags are 20-0 if they're in the Pac-12. And I think that's better for them because it would help prepare them more for the NCAA tournament upcoming. And I'm I'm really starting to get this inkling that we could see Gonzaga get whacked in the second or third round because of a team that is more prepared for that moment than they are going to be. They just looked You know, lackadaisical, lackluster a couple times this week. Now, not so so much in the San Francisco game this week when they came out and just ran over them. You know, 39 points. But I've just seen it in other games over the past couple weeks. And um, it's time for them to move now. Not even if, hey, Pac-12, not an option. The Mountain West, a better option for them. You look at the talent level in the Mountain West this year, you know, I think... Man, not necessarily they're 20-1, and but maybe they lose a game. Maybe this year, if they are in the Mountain West, Boise State gets them. Colorado State gets them. Utah State gets them. You know, one of these things, man, San Diego State. You know, I don't know. There's so many good teams. um, And it's just, it's time for Gonzaga to leave the West Coast Conference. They've outgrown them. So, coming up next for Gonzaga, two regular season games left. They play St. Mary's on Thursday. I'm recording this on Tuesday in a very snowy afternoon. We got about a foot and a half of snow over the past 24 hours. Spent all last night shoveling, all this morning shoveling. Um, So, pretty frustrating. But, anyways, and then also Saturday, the Zags have San Diego. So, you got to think, two pretty comfortable wins. And they go in, you know, again, untested and... What, 22-0, I believe they'll, they'll be going into the West Coast Conference Tournament. But So another one of the mid-majors that is also ranked in the AP Top 25 now, Loyola Chicago sits at number 22 in the rankings, they're 18-4, and they split this past weekend with the Drake Bulldogs, pretty good series, I watched just about every minute of the game, now one of the biggest things for Drake, you know, no one's been a bigger proponent of Drake this year, and me believing they should be ranked, but now their leading scorer, Shanquan Hemphill, broken foot, supposedly out for the season. Now, I've broken my foot twice, and you know, at best, maybe the cast is off six to eight weeks, but you're still nowhere near. Now, obviously, I'm not a finely tuned athlete like Shanquan is, but I just don't think it's possible for him to be back. But according to his head coach, Darian DeVries, got some audio today. From this is from this morning, the Missouri Valley coaches call and uh Drake head coach Darren DeVries still pretty hopeful that Shanquan could return. That's what he had to say. Yeah, I think um, uh, there's there's a window there that is it's smaller for arch madness uh than it is for you know potentially a, a march madness. Um, uh, there's a in the you know in the in the world of three weeks is 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 stretching it uh you know some doctors say it can be a three to three to six week type deal depending on how fast the dealer so um you know we hold out optimism uh, for arch madness and, and then um you know you know if if there is some post opportunities you're talking another couple of weeks where um you know certainly we feel like that's in in the window of of you know possibilities but um we don't want to rule anything out at this point So there you have his head coach, a little hopeful um, of Hill's return, but I am not as optimistic. But I'm also not as optimistic about Loyola Chicago. And again, I've watched them quite a bit. I've watched probably six or seven games full, you know, just about every minute of it, including both these games this weekend with Drake. And I predicted they would split a couple weeks ago. And I thought when Drake was going for the perfect season, I didn't think Valparaiso would get them. I thought it would be the Loyola Chicago split and, They're exactly, you have it. But I also think Drake showed some guts in losing their leading scorer and then losing game one to Loyola and then coming back and beating them. And so it shows maybe they're not done just yet. Maybe they will have something for March Madness, but um, pretty cool to see. But, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, if they don't win the conference tournament, do they get in? Is the Missouri Valley uh, a two-team league? I believe they are. I think uh Loyola Chicago's net right now their net ranking is about 10 or 12 or something and then uh Drake somewhere in the 30s 33 35 something so they're going to have a good chance uh to get an at-large bid even if they don't win or whichever one of those teams Loyola or Drake doesn't win the MVC and here's Porter Moser Loyola Chicago head coach from his press conference this morning discussing whether the MVC could see two teams in the NCAA tournament absolutely I think we're uh at least a two bed team, you know, with uh, Drake, and that just shows you when when your when your league is is strong. We just lost a road game. Um, now I know we won the night before, so that helped us. But it was a quad one road loss, and our Indiana State games a quad two road loss. And when your league is strong, you know those those don't hurt you. And then when you win some, they really help you. And that's the benefit. And then. I just, of Of when the league is really good and the league is really good this year, so absolutely I think it's a multi bid league um, and you know I just I just uh, there's no question I feel that way after going through the league. I know we talked about it before the season, and I'm always biased, but now they've gone through it it's factual so there you have it, Loyola Chicago head coach Porter Moser now, one of the things I don't get San Diego State. Is now ranked in the AP Top 25 at number 25. They're 15 and 4. But San Diego State is the number 4 team in the Mountain West. So the number 3 team, 2 team, number 1 team in the Mountain West, not ranked in the AP Top 25. The number 4 team in the AP Top 25 is ranked. And if you want more proof that whoever is voting for the AP Top 25 does not watch mid major college basketball, there you have it. The number 4 team in the Mountain West is ranked. What are you doing? So you got Utah State that is and 14-5, and they beat San Diego State twice, beat them back to back. And so, okay, San Diego State has got one more win and one less loss, but Utah State has beat them twice, not once, twice, and they're still not ranked. So I mean, you know, we've talked about this Utah State as an NBA player and Amias Keita. and they got guys, man. That is a damn good team. So for, if you're an AP top twenty-five voter and you put San Diego State ahead of Utah State, you don't watch the games. You don't know what you're talking about. So annoying. And then you got Colorado State that is fourteen and four, and they split with San Diego State. So one and one, you know, is what it is, and they're not ranked. So how can you justify San Diego State being ranked ahead of these teams? And then, of course, you know, Boise State, number one team in the Mountain West. They're 16-4, and four, and they got a series coming up a back-to-back with San Diego State in the next week or two. So obviously, that's going to be huge. But this is probably the most head-scratching thing I've seen this year in college basketball is San Diego State being ranked the number four team in the damn conference. Anyways, AP voters, absolutely clueless. So... Going to get to the bets of the week later on at the end of the pod. Uh, obviously, I took last Friday off. I just needed a mental health day. You know, I've been doing two podcasts a week, churning them out since November. You know, we're on episode number 23. And I just Friday, I was like, I went, I drove into the downtown core to get some lunch and see all the zombies walking around. It's, I mean, what has Toronto's become as a disgrace anyways. But um, ended up just knocking on a buddy's door, sat there, had a couple beers, watching some golf. And some hoops instead uh, and decided to take a pass on actually recording. And the irony is I got more downloads and listens this week by not putting out a podcast than I have since I started the podcast back in November. So sometimes a little less is more. Now, I will do some betting picks. I was 2 of 2 on my last pick uh, for my bets. And I am 10 of my last 15. So I'm on fire. So listen up. I might win you a few bucks. Uh, One of the things I did do this week is I reached out to the media contacts of every mid-major conference. And got myself added to the email list. So you heard that audio there from the Drake head coach and the Loyola Chicago head coach. So hopefully going to try to provide a little bit more of that by getting on some of these Zoom calls and and getting access to that for you. So try to step up the pod. Hope you appreciate that. But wanted to get into some of the news over the past week. So sadly, the UT Rio Grande Valley head coach Lou Hill passed away suddenly this week after the game at age 55. Just uh, died in his sleep. And UT Rio Grande Valley, 8-4 overall this season on the WAC. So thoughts and prayers to everyone. And I saw a bunch of great, you know, uh, tributes to Coach Hill on social media from various college coaches that I follow. So a lot of respect, and he will be dearly missed. So firing this week, the Portland Pilots fired their head coach, Terry Porter. They're 6-13 and 13 on the season in the West Coast Conference. Uh, he's been their head coach there since 2016. Now, obviously, Terry Porter, an NBA legend with the Portland Trailblazers. And so um curious to see where they go in their coaching search. I think, you know, for my money, I think they go young guy that, you know, tapped into the recruiting. And, you know, Portland, obviously, lovely city, get an opportunity to bring some players in there. So maybe Terry not as active. You know, a lot of the NBA guys, what's their hunger to get out there and recruit like? some 37 year old head coach who's you know getting his first shot so i think maybe they go a little bit younger this time and maybe they'll have some success so we have two new teams who have joined the ranks of the quitters so maine announced this week they are opting out of the season aka they're quitting and then also Howard announced they're opting out, a.k.a. they are quitting. And one of the things I did love this week, I forget the kid's name on Duke, but one of the Duke kids just announced he's opting out to prepare for the NBA draft. And John Rothstein called him out on Twitter. He says what I've been saying on this podcast, Danny, back to win, Chicago opt out. When you opt out, you're quitting, and it's disgraceful. And and one of the things that I find pretty interesting when it comes to howard university you know there's all this movement of you know four and five star athletes hey you need to consider the hbcus in your recruiting so you have McCurr maker who was a five-star player who turned down offers from ucla who's been in the top 25 this year it's a damn good team they're gonna be in the ncaa tournament and he also turned down kentucky some guy named john calipari coaches there and i heard they've had a few players in the nba and then also Memphis, Penny Hardaway. So maker turned down playing for all of those programs and probably 40 others. The guy was a five-star recruit to go play for Howard and uh, got injured. And now Howard has opted out of the season. So they're not even playing. So I'm glad that all worked out well for McCour. And uh, maybe a lesson for, for some other players. It's like uh, what I would understand is how it makes it more authentic. Instead of playing for Penny Hardaway. Uh, you're gonna go play for Howard, and that that somehow is a bit more authentic. I don't understand it, but um, not the sharpest of decisions for McCord, because Howard, they ain't even playing right now. So this whole opting out is trash, it's quitting, it's nonsense, it's gross. Um, and I just think there's no room for it in college basketball. How you can sit there and go, well, it's for the health and safety of our players when you've sat here for the past 12 months. We just watched an NFL season. These guys are tackling, grabbing, sweating, biting, chewing on each other, you know, all day. Not a single health issue. We've watched the NBA. We've watched the Premier League. We've watched MLS. We've watched the Bundesliga. We've watched the NHL. There are no health issues res- uh, uh, arising from this this nonsense that's being pumped in the media and so for you to sit there and go oh we're opting out for health issues when you have no evidence that show that any of these athletes are uh, at a risk of you know getting adverse health effects garbage stop with the nonsense speaking of nonsense so Valparaiso announced this week that it will be changing their name of the Crusaders because it is offensive so for those that don't know, the Crusades were a series of bloody religious wars starting in the 11th century between the Christians and the Muslims. And so for years, Valpo's like logo has been the helmeted uh, foe armor. Um, and yeah, so according to their interim president, the negative connotation and violence associated with the Crusader imagery are not reflective of Valpo's missions and values which promote a welcoming and inclusive community, Interim President Colette Irwin not said. This is the decision that best reflects our values and community. So the Crusades happened in the 11th century. So 10 centuries ago, the, the, you know, we, we've had 10 centuries where calling the Crusaders is not offensive, and all of, all of a sudden, in 2021, saying Crusaders is offensive. Stop. Okay, now I completely understand the Washington football team changing their name from Redskins. I understand indigenous people's issues with that and certainly the Cleveland Indians you know I, I I'm in Canada you know you we have <laughs> there's a lot of indigenous people here and I've done some speaking engagements at indigenous programs all across Canada when I worked in the music agency what they would do is fly industry professionals out to different uh, events and workshops and camps I've been out to uh, Manitoba a couple of times to meet with indigenous artists because they live in some of these artists live in remote parts of Canada that they don't have access to people who work in the music industry in Toronto Vancouver so they fly us out to go meet them and I've chatted about this about hey is this offensive are these names offensive and pretty much to a man and woman the cleveland indians was offensive the the chicago blackhawks and stuff it's kind of 50 50 some of the indigenous people that i've spoken with they feel it sort of celebrates their culture it kind of puts it on a a platform that hey wow these this is it's a symbol of power empowerment and then there's others who are absolutely offended by it but crusader so I completely understand the indigenous plight, but when it comes to this crusader name change, I don't get it. Uh, 2021 strikes again. And that's all I can say. So... If you want to go back and check out some of my previous podcasts, I urge you to che- check out episode 22. I had my buddy Wes Brown on who is an NBA scout, NCAA scout. He gave some great full scouting assessments on Jalen Soggs, Andrew Nemhart. talked some recruiting, some of the players from Canada that, to watch out for. I also urge you to go check out episode 17 where I talk about the story of Shamar and Lamar Wright from Southern Illinois Edwardsville. They are the sons of murdered NBA player Lorenzen Wright, and uh, it's a pretty good story. I went through that, and also go check out episode 12, which is our most downloaded and listened to podcast where I interviewed Abilene Christian head coach Joe Golding. So go back, go through some of the previous pods, give a listen, and of course, don't forget to subscribe. Also, drop me a line on Twitter, at Mr. MrMcKee, M-R-M-C-K-E-E. Check out undraftedfreeagent.com, the website, putting some articles up a couple a week when I have time to, and of course, check out our YouTube and our other socials. So wanted to go through some of the key scores over the past week. I didn't do a pod on Friday, so I'm going to go back to Thursday. So one team that is climbing up the ranks in the mid majors, Texas State, now number one in the Sun Belt West at 15 and six. They beat UT Arlington on Thursday, and this team has you know come out of nowhere. Really, you know, we haven't even really talked about Texas State at all because uh, didn't get off to a great start, and now slowly creeping up. And uh, watch out for that team. in the, the Sun Belt, I've talked about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I think the 7-8 seed, whoever gets in, will win that conference tournament. It's just so wide open, so balanced, so much parity. And now you see Texas State making a move. Where there isn't parity is in the Ohio Valley Conference. So Belmont with back-to-back wins Thursday and Saturday over Eastern Kentucky. 92-74. I watched that entire game. Great game. Uh, and then they beat Moorhead State who was the number three team in the OVC, uh, 73-58. And they were on there. I think Moorhead had won probably about 10 or so in a row going into that game. They're on fire. And then Belmont just squashes them. So over the course of the past week, they have hammered the two closest teams in the OVC to them. And so this is – this. Belmont's on, on a mission this year. So Belmont is 22-1 right now, and they're only lost. you got to go back to December 5th to Sanford. How the hell they lost that game, I don't know, because Sanford's not that good of a team, but just one of those things. But with the win over Moorhead State on February 13th, Belmont has won 26 straight conference games. that set a new OVC record that beat the 25 wins set by Western Kentucky in 1965-67. to So you see how long it's been, OVC, pretty, pretty balanced conference. But Belmont absolutely tearing it up right now. And then as of February 15th, Belmont has 10 true road victories this season. That's the most of any Division I team in college basketball, and they are not ranked right now. And I looked up their net ranking. Their net ranking is 63. So if Belmont doesn't win the OVC, they're not going to the NCAA tournament, and I don't understand why they're they're not ranked because, you know, EKU, Eastern Kentucky, pretty good team. Moorhead, pretty good team. A lot of good a lot of decent teams in the OVC. And I think that net ranking may be a little out of whack. So then going back to Friday, Liberty won 61 over North Florida. Liberty now 17-5. And uh, number two in the A-Sun behind Bellarmine. So I people have called them Bellarmine. I saw their social media account giving Seth Greenberg or VSPN some trouble because he was saying Bellarmine. It's Bellarmine. And so... This could be one of the best stories in college hoops. I went back; I think it's episode four of the podcast where I broke down the uh, the four new teams that made the jump from Division two to Division one, and Bellarmine was one of them, and they are in a damn good spot right now to go to March Madness in year one in division 1. So, I mean, that is one of the stories of the year and I don't think it's getting enough attention. So, something to keep your eye on as we head towards the conference tournament. I mean, that's a team you got to root for. I mean, I don't root, you know, I'm, I'm a media guy, but um I am 100% rooting for Bellarmine as we head towards the Atlantic Sun Conference tournament. So going back to Friday also, VCU beat St. Bonaventure 67-64. And VCU is now the number one team in the A-10. Now, it's pretty weird. They kind of, VCU's been inconsistent. And I watched, going back to the first week of the season, I watched VCU. And just from the eyeball tests, and I said, this is one of the five best mid-major teams in college basketball this year. Now, you know, they've shown flashes of that, and then they've shown flashes of inconsistency, but VCU trending in the right direction as we head towards March. And, you know, that's why I'm such a firm believer of trust your initial gut when you see teams play, when you see a player play, when you're evaluating them. And VCU is absolute proof of that. They are proving right now they're probably one of the five best mid-major teams in college basketball, and they're starting to show it, beat a damn good St. Bonaventure team, but A-10, still wide open. One sneaky team you need to be aware of, Wright State, 92-81 over Milwaukee on Friday. They're now 17-4, and they're the number one team in the Horizon League, ahead of Cleveland State, who is a damn good team. So Wright State, team you, you know probably haven't seen on television. I watched a little bit of them a couple weeks ago. They have some guys. They do look good. I love Cleveland State. They're 15-3 and in conference. Both of them are. But uh, Wright State, number one in the Horizon League right now. Watch out for them. So one team I've talked about, the most boring team in college basketball that just keeps kicking ass, Louisiana Tech beat UAB. That was for the battle of Conference USA. So Tech won 70-58. Tech is now 17-6, and 10-4, and they're number two in Conference USA West. The number one team in that conference USA. Speaking of a team that's come out of nowhere, North Texas, they've slowly climbed to number one in conference USA. Well, in the West, anyways. They're 12 and 6 overall, but 8 and 2 in conference. So watch out for the mean green, man. They're sneaking up on you. Western Kentucky, still the number one team in conference USA East at 15 and 4, 8 and 2 in conference. And I've talked about them. If you want to pick a mid major that can make a run come March Madness, circle Western Kentucky in your bracket. I think they got something. So Saturday, watched a ton of games. I already mentioned the Gonzaga game over at San Francisco. Talked Loyola Drake already. So also Saturday, Chattanooga beat the Citadel 70-66. Chattanooga now 16-4, but just 7-5 in conference. And UNC Greensboro is the number one team in the SoCon right now at 15-6, 10-3 in conference. But the SoCon still completely wide open. Again, that's another one of those conference tournaments where you could see a lower seed win because they're all pretty even. Northeastern beat Towson on Saturday, 76-67, but then lost to them on Sunday, which was a bit of a shocker because going in, Towson was 3-13, and 13, and Northeastern was the number one team in the Colonial. And well, they're not anymore because of that loss. James Madison has now jumped them. So James Madison, quietly the number one team in the CAA, 13 and 5 and 8 and 1 in conference. Also Saturday, surprising, one of the most surprising losses I've seen this year. Toledo lost to Bowling Green, 88-81. They dropped to 16 and 6, but they're still the number one seed in the Mid American Conference, and they're a damn good team. You know, I've talked about it, the MAC Men's League. And uh, that's just showing it right there. Someone can clip you any night. That, you know, you, Anyone can be beaten. And that just shows it right there. One team that is quietly, quietly damn good. Now, if come March, you do not want to play this team. But Colgate, number one team in the Patriot League at 9-1. And, and they beat Army on Saturday 84-74. So Colgate right now is number 11 in the net rankings. So number number eleven team in the country, college basketball, Colgate, and I guarantee ninety nine percent of the people listening to this right now have not watched them. Well, I have. I've seen them play two or three times, and they are really good. So they're led by a guy named Jordan Burns, who's averaging eighteen points per game. This dude can play. He declared for the NBA draft last year, but I mean he's small. They they got him listed at six foot. I think he's below six foot. He's pretty small. But um, you know, all Patriot first team last year. He was the Patriot League tournament MVP last year. Um, and this guy is out of nowhere. He's from San Antonio originally. And watch out for him, Jordan Burns and Colgate. This is a team you don't want to run into. And uh, they are sneaky good. And they're gonna they're gonna surprise some people as we inch towards March. Also, Saturday, Abilene Christian eighty-three fifty-five over Texas A and Corpus Christi. Abilene tied for number one in the Southland. They're 18-3 overall, 10-1 in conference. So Sam Houston also 10-1 in the Southland. Uh, and then Stephen F. Austin not far behind them at 9-1 and 13-3 and and overall. And uh, I, I'm starting to have a feeling that you know it's kind of been those couple teams in the Southland. Stephen F. Austin has dominated it over the past couple years. Sam Houston getting good. But watch out for a shocker. You know, Northwestern State, believe it or not, is quietly creeping up in the Southland. Nichols may have a say in all of this. And so watch out. That's going to be an interesting conference tournament. And then also late Saturday night, I watched Boise State inch by UNLV, 61-59. And UNLV could have beat them. They had a last-second shot. The kid just botched it. So Boise State squeaked that one out, and they're now 16-4, still the number one team in the Mountain West. And then also Saturday South Dakota State 9580 over Oral Roberts South Dakota State now 12 and 5 6 and 2 in conference and they're the number 1 team in the Summit League ahead of South Dakota so that's a team you could see go dancing in March so having spent a ton of attention on the summit league. They're just, I mean, I'm in Canada. Their games are hard to find. Even the illegal streams that I watch most of my games on, if I can't get them on TV, you're not getting a lot of South Dakota state or or a lot of summit league. So forgive my ignorance on, uh, you know, being able to break them down, but it's just a lack of, you know, opportunity to see them play. But I'm gonna to try to make a make a mission of that to to check in on the Summit League over the next week or two, uh, to see, you know, who's what. I, I did watch South Dakota State a little earlier this year. It didn't blow me away, but hey, alas, we're looking good right now. So I wanted to get into my under-the-radar player watch. Haven't done it in a week or two on the pod. couple guys I came across over the past week watching college basketball that I really loved. And one of the guys, I mean, I want to talk about UNLV's David Jenkins Jr. I've watched him play quite a bit this season. It's almost like every time I check over the TV, this guy's making something happen. So he's second on UNLV in scoring right now with 15 points per game. And speaking of South Dakota State, so David Jenkins Jr. started out at South Dakota State. Uh, he was the Summit League Freshman of the Year in 2017 and 2018. And uh, made, took his team to the NCAA tournament. They played against Ohio State, lost obviously. but So this guy's got some experience. And then in his sophomore year, first team all Summit again with 19.7 points per game. Set a school record with 112 three-pointers made. And of course, sat out last year due to transfer regulations, but dude can play. David Jenkins Jr., he's as good as they come in college basketball, in the mid-majors anyway. If you get a chance, uh, check him out. Another guy under the radar that I've liked as well. I've watched a ton of Nevada. I mentioned I watched... I watch the Mountain West nonstop. the The games are late night. You know, I get off my radio reporting job at about ten fifteen Eastern, and so uh, a lot of Mountain West games on when you get home from work. And Desmond Cambridge Jr. We got both juniors. David Jenkins Jr. was my other under the radar player, and now Desmond Cambridge Jr. Uh, so he's originally from Nashville, and uh, he's a transfer from Brown University. So he's an Ivy League guy. Fifteen point three points per game so far right now, behind Grant Sherfield, who's averaging eighteen, and Grant. One of, the, one of the best guards in all of college basketball right now. But uh, Desmond, 2017-18 Ivy League Rookie of the Year, 17.3 points per game. And he also led Brown in scoring again in 2018-19 with 15.7 points per game. He's obviously a smart kid. He's Ivy League educated. He can shoot. All I can think about is how good Nevada is going to be next year. You know, with Cambridge, still got eligibility left. Grant Shurfield, he's a sophomore, man, he's got a couple years left. And now Addison Patterson, the Oregon transfer. Addison, you know, a former top 50 player in high school coming out of college. I know him well. I called his high school games. And he is an NBA talent. And now, Nevada, they're going to they, next year watch out for the Nevada Wolf man. They're going to get it going under Steve Alford. Uh, And so there's a couple under-the-radar player watches to keep an eye on. So I want to finish up today's episode with my betting picks. There's not a lot of games happening tonight or tomorrow. And college basketball doesn't give odds that far in advance. Obviously, they don't want people bribing college kids. And so I got a game tonight I like and then one tomorrow. So tonight, Bowling Green minus two over Ball State. Now, Bowling Green is one of those teams that started out. They were the number one team in the MAC for a while. Got ice cold. They're getting good again. I mean, just upset uh, Toledo this week, was the best team in the conference, and so they're creeping back into relevance. And I like the minus two over Ball State. Ball State's got some guys, um, but I just think Bowling Green looks like they've kind of worked out whatever problems they did have, and so take Bowling Green minus two. And then tomorrow, which is Wednesday, not a mid-major game, but I like Oklahoma minus 1.5 over the Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma, the Sooners ranked number nine right now, Texas number 12. I've watched Oklahoma quite a bit over the past couple weeks. They're really good, man. That's a good team. This They are an elite eight potential team, and then who knows? And so I really like how they're playing right now. I watched them beat up on Texas Tech last week. They got guys. And so roll with the Sooners, minus 1.5, and there you go. So thanks for joining me again here on the undraftedfreeagent.com mid-major podcast. I'm Chris McKee. Of course, go back, check out all of our previous episodes. Drop me a line on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Check out the website, undraftedfreeagent.com and our socials. Thanks for listening. I'm going to keep on pumping them out.